Hello, everybody, and welcome into the Bible Reading Podcast, episode number 336. Today's big Bible question, what does Jesus say is the key to effective prayer? Well, happy Thanksgiving, Boxing Day, friends, or happy Friday, if you prefer that. Insert funny turkey or overeating joke here. Today, we are discussing impact prayer and considering Jesus' great emphasis on prayer that we see both here in Luke 11 and in Luke 18, which we will read next Friday. In addition to Luke 11, we are also going to be reading 1 Chronicles 24 today, Micah chapter 2, and 1 Peter chapter 4. Now, I believe the next few weeks, the U.S. is going to see a great need for the saints of God to engage in prayer like maybe never before. So I would earnestly ask you to listen to the teachings of Jesus today in today's passage. Uh, And let's go ahead and read that passage. It's quite long. And then we're going to discuss Jesus's teaching on perseverance in prayer and shameless persistence. Luke chapter 11, verse 1 in the Christian Standard Bible. Jesus was praying in a certain place, and when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, just as John also taught his disciples. And he said to them, Whenever you pray, say, Father, your name be honored as holy. Your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread, and forgive us our sins, for we ourselves also forgive everyone in debt to us. And do not bring us into temptation. And he also said to them, Suppose one of you has a friend and goes to him at midnight and says to him, Friend, lend me three loaves of bread, because a friend of mine on a journey has come to me and I don't have anything to offer him. Then he will answer from inside and say, Don't bother me. The door is already locked and my children and I have gone to bed. I can't get up and give you anything. I tell you, even though he won't get up and give him anything because he is his friend, yet because of his friend's shameless boldness, he will get up and give him as much as he needs. So I say to you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds, and the... To the one who knocks, the door will be opened. What father among you, if his son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead of a fish? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Now, he was driving out a demon that was mute. When the demon came out, the man who had been mute spoke, and the crowds were amazed. But some of them said, He drives out demons by Beelzebul, the ruler of the demons, and others as a test were demanding of him a sign from heaven. Knowing their thoughts, he told them, Every kingdom divided against itself is headed for destruction, and a house divided against itself falls. If Satan also is divided against himself, how will his kingdom stand? For you say, I drive out demons by Beelzebul, and if I drive out demons by Beelzebul, By whom do your sons drive them out? For this reason, they will be your judges. If I drive out demons by the finger of God, then the kingdom of God has come upon you. When a strong man, fully armed, guards his estate, his possessions are secure. But when one stronger than he attacks and overpowers him, he takes from him all his weapons he trusted in and divides up his plunder. Anyone who is not with me is against me, and anyone who does not gather with me scatters. When an unclean spirit comes out of a person, it roams through waterless places looking for rest and not finding rest. It then says, I'll go back to my house that I came from. 
Returning, it founds the house swept and put in order. Then it goes and brings seven other spirits more evil than itself, and they enter and settle down there. As a result, that person's last condition is worse than the first. As he was saying these things, a woman from the crowd raised her voice and said to him, Blessed is the womb that bore you and the one who nursed you. He said, Rather, blessed are those who hear the word of God and keep it. As the crowds were increasing, he began saying, This generation is an evil generation. It demands a sign, but no sign will be given to it except the sign of Jonah. For just as Jonah became a sign to the people of Nineveh, so also the Son of Man will be to this generation. The Queen of the South will rise up at the judgment with the men of this generation and condemn them because she came from the ends of the earth to hear the wisdom of Solomon. And look, something greater than Solomon is here. The men of Nineveh will stand up at the judgment with this generation and condemn it because they repented at Jonah's preaching and look, something greater than Jonah is here. No one lights a lamp and puts it in the cellar or under a basket but on a lampstand so that those who come in may see its light. Your eye is the lamp of the body. When your eye is healthy, your whole body is also full of light, but when it's bad, your body is also full of darkness. Take care then that the light in you is not darkness. If, therefore, your whole body is full of light with no part of it in darkness, it will be entirely illuminated as when a lamp shines its light on you. As he was speaking, a Pharisee asked him to dine with him, so he went in and reclined at the table. When the Pharisee saw this, he was amazed that he did not first perform the ritual washing before dinner. But the Lord said to him, Now you Pharisees clean the outside of the cup and dish, but inside you are full of greed and evil. Fools! Didn't he who made the outside make the inside too? But give from what is within to the poor, and then everything is clean for you. But woe to you, Pharisees, you give a tenth of mint, rue, and every kind of herb, and you bypass justice and love for God. These things you should have done without neglecting the others. Woe to you, Pharisees, you love the front seat in the synagogues and greetings in the marketplaces. Woe to you, you are like unmarked graves, the people who walk over them don't even know it. One of the experts in the law answered him, Teacher, when you say these things, you insult us too. Then he said, Woe also to you experts in the law. You load people with burdens that are hard to carry, and yet you yourselves don't touch these burdens with one of your fingers. Woe to you. You build tombs for the prophets, and your fathers killed them. Therefore you are witnesses that you approve the deeds of your fathers, for they killed them and you build their monuments. Because of this the wisdom of God said, I will send them prophets and apostles, and some of them they will kill and persecute, so that this generation may be held responsible for the blood of all the prophets shed since the foundation of the world, from the blood of Abel to the blood of Zechariah, who perished between the altar and the sanctuary. Yes, I tell you, this generation will be held responsible. Woe to you experts in the law, you have taken away the key to knowledge. You didn't go in yourselves and you hindered those who were trying to go in. When he left there, the scribes and the Pharisees began to oppose him fiercely and to cross-examine him about many things. They were lying in wait for him to trap him in something he said. So importunity, and let me say it again just in case you don't hear me saying a different word, importunity has become one of my favorite words that I didn't learn until I was well into my 20s. Most modern translations of the Bible uh, use two words in Luke 11 to convey what the King James conveys with the word importunity. 
Modern translations say something like shameless persistence or shameless boldness or something like that. Importunity is a word that means persistence to the point of aggravation or annoyance, and it's a really pretty strong word. The Greek word they're translating there is anideia, and Luke 11 is actually the only place it's used in the Bible, making it what we call a hypox legomena, which is a, a word that only appears one time in a given work of literature. In the Greek, to negate a word meaning or display the opposite of it, you put an alpha or an A basically in front of the word. We do this in English too with A or A-N-T-I. For instance, apathy means lack of pathos or interest or care, and it's derived from the Greek there. What we have here in our word anadia is a Greek word that means reverence or honor or modesty or even respect with the negative particle in front of it. In other words, now get this, Jesus is saying, ask God in prayer without shame, modesty, maybe even reverence, which is just absolutely mind-blowing. Now, I hear some of you right now in your car, you're exercising or whatever, you're pretty incredulous. No way you're thinking that Jesus would tell us to shamelessly pester God. That's impossible. And look, I hear you, but I cannot escape the conclusion that Jesus is telling us to pray so persistently to God about things that if we were doing it to a human or anybody that lacks infinite patience, that it would come across as annoying and bothersome. Don't bother your father is a phrase that has been uttered countless times on TV sitcoms over the years and probably in families too. But Jesus here is basically saying the opposite of that and he's saying that is the key to prevailing prayer or prayer that is answered. It's to bother our heavenly father. Now, you probably are still a little bit skeptical, at least some of you. You want me to prove that this conclusion is correct? Okay, How's this? Imagine it's late at night, maybe midnight to 1 a.m. You've been in a while, bed for a while. Your family is asleep, true. You're dreaming this really amazing dream about these flying horses, and all of a sudden, bam, 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 and you sit upright in bed. What, what, what was that noise? Oh, nice. That got my dog barking. I think I'm going to leave this in the recording. So you sit upright in bed. Your dog's barking. What was that noise? Your wife grips your elbow with a worried look, and you know she heard it too. One of the kids starts crying because they're scared. Your wife urges you to go check it out, but after a moment, you don't hear anything, and you're thinking maybe it was just part of the dream when... Bam, 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 ding, dong, ding, dong, and you know somebody is at the door. You holler at them through the door, and it's one of your neighbors. One you don't v know very well, but, you know, you still consider them a friend. You ask him what he needs, and he hollers to you through the door. He needs some bread. Oh, my gosh, are you kidding me, Phil? Come back tomorrow, you yell. I'm in bed. The whole family is asleep. You think it might work, because it's a little quiet for just a second or two, when bam, 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 ding, dong, ding, dong, ding, dong. Go away, Phil. Bam, 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 ding, dong. Dog's barking. Uh, the kids are going crazy. Oh, just give him the bread, honey. We need to sleep. Now, put yourself in this parable of Jesus. Now, the neighbor banging on the door doesn't appear to be some sort of bestie, but 
A friend, I suppose. He's beating on your door around midnight asking for some food to share with a traveler who just arrived. Are you bothered? Aggravated just a bit? I know I would be. But you get up and you give him the bread anyway. Why? Well, at least in the parable, Jesus says that the man at the door gets what he asked for because of his shameless persistence. In other words, he keeps knocking on the door and hollering until the guy comes to the door with the bread. And this is Jesus teaching us how to pray. Now, further, he doesn't end there. He keeps going. Verse 9 and 10 says, So I say to you, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. The one who seeks finds. And to the one who knocks, the door will be opened. Jesus says, ask, seek, knock. All three of those verbs are in the imperative sense, which means that Jesus isn't just suggesting this. He's commanding his followers to ask God, to seek God, and to knock on the door until he answers, just like the shameless man in the parable. Now, will this activity annoy God? I don't think so. I think it will delight him because you're obeying the commands of Jesus. In fact, John... Newton, who wrote the hymn Amazing Grace, actually wrote a lot of hymns, including one about this very concept, which ends with this line, Then let us earnest be and never faint in prayer. He loves our importunity and makes our cause his care. Well, that's clever and true. I think God loves it when we are uh, engaged in importunity when we are persistence in pr- persistent in prayer because Jesus commanded us to and he's not going to get aggravated about this. Newton also wrote in another place about the importunity and persistence of prayer and he says, the prayers of God's people have a powerful effect. The holy and benevolent importunity of Abraham would have prevailed even in favor of the city of Sodom if ten righteous persons had been found in it. When Sennacherib invaded Judea, had overrun the greatest part of the country and thought Jerusalem would be an easy conquest, Hezekiah, though he took precautions as prudence suggested, did not defeat Sennacherib by arms in an army, but by prayer. In the prayers of true believers is our best visible resource— These are the chariots and horsemen of Israel. United prayer, humiliation of heart, a mourning for sin in secret, and a faithful testimony against it in public will more essentially contribute to the safety and welfare of the nation than all our military preparations without them. We boast of our navy, and do remember this was the 1700s in England, and it has often proved by the blessing of God our bulwark. But how easily can he who walks upon the wings of the wind dash the best appointed naval fleet to pieces against the rocks? Or sink it like lead in the mighty waters. We boast of our troops, but he can easily cut them off with sickness, give them up to a spirit of discord, or impress them with sudden terror, so that the stoutest hearts shall tremble and the mighty warriors turn pale and drop their weapons. A thousand unforeseen events and contingencies are always at God's disposal to blast and disappoint the best concerted enterprises, For that the race is not necessarily sure to the swift, nor the battle to the strong, is not only asserted in the scripture, but confirmed by the experience and observation of all ages. 
But his people are precious in his sight, and their prayers he will hear. Unknown and unnoticed as they are in the world, he highly values them. He has redeemed his people by his blood. He inhabits them by his spirit. He has prepared heaven for them, and the earth itself is continued for their sakes and shall be destroyed when they are all removed from it. They are the light, the salt, the strength, and the safety of the nations which they are among which they are dispersed. Except the Lord of hosts had left a small remnant of these among us, we should long ago have been just like Sodom and made unto Gomorrah. To his attention, to their prayers and concerns, I doubt not the preservation of this city and every city at the time of the late horrible riots may be ascribed. Again, 1700s London. I wish I could now recall, continues Newton, to your minds the emotions which some of you then felt when your countenances bore a strong impression of your inward anxiety. Those terrors came upon you unexpectedly, and though they are forgotten by too many, scenes equally distressing may present themselves before you are aware. Oh, may he, in his mercy, animate his people now to stand in the breach in prayer as one man and to wrestle in prayer for a sinful land. Amen. And dear friends, be encouraged to stand in the breach in prayer and to wrestle for whatever sinful land you're a part of, because worldwide, this is a time for the saints of God to knock on the door of heaven, unceasingly asking God for relief and help, knocking on the doors again and again and again. Well, let's continue in First Chronicles chapter 23, verse 1. When David was old and full of days, he installed his son Solomon as king over Israel. Then he gathered all the leaders of Israel, the priests and the Levites. The Levites, 30 years old or more, were counted. The total number of men was 38,000 by head count. Of these, David said, 24,000 are to be in charge of the work on the Lord's temple 6,000 are to be officers and judges, 4,000 are to be gatekeepers, and 4,000 are to praise the Lord with the instruments that I have made for worship. Then David divided them into divisions according to Levi's sons, Gershom, Kohath, and Merari, the Gershonites, Ladan, and Shemai. Ladan's sons, Jehiel was the first, then Zetham and Joel, three. Shemai's sons, Shelemoth, Hatziel, and Haran, three. Those were the heads of the families of Ladan, Shemai's sons, Jehoth, Ziza, Jeush, and Bariah. Those were Shemai's sons, four. Jehath was the first, and Ziza was the second. However, Jeush and Bariah did not have many sons, so they became one family and received a single assignment. Kohath's sons, Amram, Itzhar, Hebron, and Utziel, four. Amram's sons, Aaron and Moses. Aaron along with his descendants, was set apart forever to consecrate the most holy things, to burn incense in the presence of the Lord, to minister to him, and to pronounce blessings in his name forever. As for Moses, the man of God, his sons were named among the tribe of Levi. Moses' sons, Gershom Gershom and Eleazar, Gershom's sons, Shebuel was first. Eleazar's sons were Rehabiah first. Eleazar did not have any other sons, but Rehabiah's sons were very numerous. Ishhar's sons, Shelemith was first. Hebron's sons, Jeriah was first. Amariah second. Jehaziel third. And Jechamim fourth. Utziel's sons, Micah was first. And Ishiah second. Merari's sons, Machli and Mushi. 
Machli's sons, Eleazar and Kish. Eleazar died having no sons, only daughters. Their cousins, the sons of Kish, married them. Mushi's sons, Machli, Edur, and Jeremoth, three. These were the descendants of Levi by their ancestral families, the family heads, according to their registration, by name and the head count, 20 years old or more, who worked in the service of the Lord's temple. For David said, the Lord God of Israel has given us rest to his people, and he has come to stay in Jerusalem forever. Also, the Levites no longer need to carry the tabernacle or any of the equipment for its service. For according to the last words of David, the Levites, 20 years old or more, were to be counted, but their duty will be to assist the descendants of Aaron with the service of the Lord's temple, being responsible for the courts and the chambers, the purification of all holy things, and the work of the service of God's temple, as well as the rose of the bread of the presence and the fine flour for the grain offering, the wafers of unleavened bread, the baking, the mixing, and all measurements of volume and length, They are also to stand every morning to give thanks and praise to the Lord and likewise in the evening. Whenever burnt offerings are offered to the Lord on the Sabbaths, new moons, and appointed festivals, they are to offer them regularly in the Lord's presence according to the number prescribed for them. They are to carry out their responsibilities for the tent of meeting, for the holy place, and for their relatives, the descendants of Aaron, in the service of the Lord's temple. Micah chapter 2, verse 1, Woe to those who dream up wickedness and prepare evil plans on their beds. At morning light they accomplish it because the power is in their hands. They covet fields and seize them. They also take houses. They deprive a man of his home, a person of his inheritance. Therefore the Lord says, I am now planning a disaster against this nation. You cannot free your necks from it. Then you will not walk so proudly because it will be an evil time. In that day, one will take up a taunt against you and lament mournfully, saying, We are totally ruined. He measures out the allotted land of my people, how he removes it from me. He allots our fields to traitors. Therefore, there will be no one in the assembly of the Lord to divide the land by casting lots. Quit your preaching, they preach. They should not preach these things. Shame will not overtake us. House of Jacob, should it be asked, is the Spirit of the Lord impatient? Are these the things he does? Don't my words bring good to the one who walks uprightly? But recently my people have risen up like an enemy. You strip off the splendid robe from those who are passing through confidently like those returning from war. You force the women of my people out of their comfortable homes and you take my blessing from their children forever. Get up and leave, for this is not your place of rest, because defilement brings destruction." A grievous destruction. If a man comes and utters empty lies, I will preach to you about wine and beer. He would be just the preacher for this people. I will indeed gather all of you, Jacob. I will collect the remnant of Israel. I will bring them together like sheep in a pen, like a flock in the middle of its pasture. It will be noisy with people. One who breaks open the way will advance before them. They will break out, pass through the city gate, and leave by it. Their king will pass through before them, the Lord as their leader. 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 1, Therefore, since Christ suffered in the flesh, arm yourselves also with the same understanding, because the one who suffers in the flesh is finished with sin in order to live the remaining time in the flesh no longer for human desires, but for God's will. For there has already been enough time spent in doing what the Gentiles choose to do, carrying on in unrestrained behavior, evil desires, drunkenness, orgies, carousing, and lawless idolatry. They are surprised that you don't join them in the same flood of wild living and they slander you. They will give an account 
to the one who stands ready to judge the living and the dead. For this reason, the gospel was also preached to those who are now dead, so that although they might be judged in the flesh according to human standards, they might live in the spirit according to God's standards. The end of all things is near. Therefore, be alert and sober-minded for prayer. Above all, maintain constant love for one another, since love covers a multitude of sins. Be hospitable to one another without complaining. Just as each one has received a gift, use it to serve others as good stewards of the varied grace of God. If anyone speaks, let it be as one who speaks God's words. If anyone serves, let it be from the strength God provides, so that God may be glorified through Jesus Christ in everything. To him be the glory and the power forever and ever. Amen. Dear friends, don't be surprised when the fiery ordeal comes among you to test you as if something unusual were happening to you. Instead, rejoice as you share in the sufferings of Christ so that you may also rejoice with great joy when his glory is revealed. If you are ridiculed for the name of Christ, you are blessed because the spirit of glory and of God rests on you. Let none of you suffer as a murderer, a thief, an evildoer, or a meddler. But if anyone suffers as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God in having that name. For the time has come for judgment to begin with God's household, and if it begins with us, what will the outcome be for those who disobey the gospel of God? And if a righteous person is saved with difficulty, what will become of the ungodly and the sinner? So then, let those who suffer according to God's will entrust themselves to a faithful creator while doing what is good. Amen to that. Well, dear friends, may thankfulness rise up in your hearts on this day. And may he teach all of us to persist shamelessly, passionately in prayer as we pursue him. And may we see mighty prayers being offered up on behalf of our people that prevail with God. Good day to you and Godspeed.